The first reading is taken from Isaiah chapter 62, verses 1 to 7, and may be found on page 748 in the Church Bible and on the screens. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not remain quiet till her righteousness shines out like the dawn, her salvation like a blazing torch. The nations will see your righteousness and all kings your glory. You will be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will bestow. You will be a crown of splendor in the Lord's hand, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. No longer will they call you deserted or name your land desolate, but you will be called Hephzibah and your land Beulah, for the Lord will take delight in you and your land will be married. As a young man marries a maiden, so will your sons marry you. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. I have posted watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They will never be silent day or night. You who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest and give him no rest till he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading is from the Gospel according to John, chapter 1, beginning at verse 43, and can be found on page 1064 in the Church Bibles. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree, before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. 
you shall see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Heavenly Father, thank you for two wonderful passages. We ask that you would send your spirit upon us now this morning. That you would open my mouth to speak your word. You'd open our ears to hear it and our hearts to respond. Fill us now, we pray, with your spirit. Draw us into your presence. Amen. As a young man marries a maiden, as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. Well, I'm surrounded here today by uh, the evidence of a wonderful uh, wedding that we had yesterday afternoon. A very warm welcome back to those of you, uh, our guests, who have joined us again this morning, stayed overnight. It's lovely to have you with us. Um, Fantastic to... uh, at the end of so many preparations to be able to bring together uh, Ruth Pearson, daughter of David, and uh, Rowena Pearson, David, our church warden. Ruth has grown up amongst us for so many years. Many of you will have known her as a little girl and growing up. And uh, marrying her new husband, Richard, uh, until recently associate vicar of Knoll Parish Church. Particular delight for me to have that connection, as Knoll was another of our supporting churches when we went out to Indonesia along with uh, St. Jude. So it's great to bring two congregations together like that. I want to pay particular tribute to the flower team who worked all day on Friday, bringing packed lunch and tea to uh, make this amazing uh, spectacle of flowers for us, for them yesterday and for us this morning. So particular thanks to Lucy and her team and to Jackie who led the team and whose husband we've been praying for was was in hospital at the time. So um, amazing that she uh, gave of herself to that wedding uh, so sacrificially. So um, I wonder if we could give the flower team a round of applause now. Thank you. Thank you, Lucy, and Vida, and all the others. And perhaps somebody could take that thanks to uh, Jackie uh, when they next see her. Um, thanks also, if you are reading the, um, uh, the Bible readings from the Bibles, and you're in the center blocks, or maybe the side blocks as well, um, to Noel Parish Church, who have donated this uh, same set of Bibles as we had before, but rather newer, and in these attractive dust covers. Um, So organized by Richard and his new father-in-law, David, um, and brought to us uh, over the last couple of weeks. So we're very grateful to them for this contribution to uh, the word of the Lord being read here at St. Jude's. So perhaps you would turn back to uh, the gospel reading from John, John chapter 1. You'll find it on page 1064, as Jesus calls Philip and Nathaniel. First, a little story in tribute to uh, Richard and Ruth. So at the end of their first date, 
not Richard, but uh, some young guy, uh, were very encouraged by... Um, so don't, don't put it up on the screen behind me. Not quite ready for that yet. Some young guy, uh, encouraged by how successfully his first date had gone, um, bringing his girlfriend back uh, on time, uh, because uh, her father's very strict and he knew that, uh, bringing her back home, um, but encouraged uh, with all that had happened that evening, uh, he thought he'd go for that all-important first kiss as the kind of, uh, you know, the, the foundation, the, the, uh, the launch pad for all that was to come. So uh, leaning casually against the wall uh, and smiling, he uh, said to her, darling, he said, after this lovely evening, how about a, how about a nice goodnight kiss? And she said, oh, I can't, you know I can't. My parents will see, it would be terrible. He said, Who's going to see? They're all in bed. She said, no, I can't risk it. Honestly, I can't do it. He said, oh, please, I love you. She said, well, I like you too, but no, I can't. I honestly, I can't risk it. He said, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please. And she said, no, no, no. I just can't. Please, he said. Now, at this point, the lights went on, the door opened, and uh, the girl's younger sister came out with kind of ruffled hair and in her uh, dressing gown and sleepy eyes said, Dad says, go on, give him a kiss. Or if you don't want to, I could do it. Or if not me, then he'll come out and do it. But please, please, ask him to take his hand off the intercom button. <laughs> Last Sunday... We heard how the first disciples met Jesus. Andrew and John, disciples of John the Baptist, followed him and met him. And uh, Andrew uh, brought his brother, Simon Peter, whom Jesus renamed the Rock. We heard how each of them, for each of them, someone pointed the way to Jesus. They went looking for Jesus. They spent time with him. And then they had some life-transforming encounter with him. And then Andrew at least lent his hand on the intercom button so that his family too, his brother, could come and meet Jesus. This is the discipleship cycle. Hear about Jesus, spend time with him, be transformed, be changed by him, and then bring others to meet him too. Well, this week the story continues the same cycle, but with different perspectives. So here we go. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, and finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. So firstly, we see things from the other side. We see it from Jesus' perspective. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Jesus is taking the initiative. We often think that discipleship is something that we do. I feel like going to church this morning. I've got a big hole in my life. I need someone to fill it. Wow, Jesus, I could really follow you. We think that it's our initiative. But we discover here that Jesus takes the initiative too. From Philip's point of view... He was making the decision to come to meet Jesus. But from Jesus' point of view, 
he is already calling Philip, follow me. And Jesus is here this morning. You may have decided to come here this morning, but Jesus is calling you to follow him. Nathaniel thinks that the reason that he has met with Jesus is because he's agreed to Philip's invitation and spared the time to come and say hello. Well, that's true in one way, but Jesus has already, we discover, seen Nathaniel. Something of what Jesus says about the fig tree and about being a true Israelite without, without guile convinces Nathaniel that Jesus already knows him and astonishes him. How do you know me? And when he hears that, when he discovers that Jesus already knows him, he is very, very moved. It's good, isn't it, to be noticed? You might not believe this, but I'm actually one of the quiet ones. I grew up in a very noisy, loud family, and I was the quiet one. And for those of us who are the quiet ones, it's very easy for us to get neglected, overlooked, ignored. We remember that it's our picture that's put behind the curtains. Not that that hurt. Not that I've remembered it all these years. And we can transfer that sense of neglect onto God, onto how we think he sees us. There are so many other people in this big, noisy family of gods. So many other people who are more talented, who are louder, who are better, who are worse than us, more demanding of God's time. And maybe God hasn't noticed us either. But he has. He has seen us sitting under the fig tree, minding our own business, quietly carrying on with the struggles of our life, pondering our significance and meaning. Jesus has already seen us and noticed us. He's waiting for us, watching over us, looking at us, waiting for the moment when we will turn and notice him. Jesus said to his disciples, and he's saying to us, each one of us now, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will abide forever, fruit that will last. Will you come and meet him? Will you allow him who has noticed you to call you, to touch you, and to bear within you and through you fruit that will last forever. The other thing that we see in this passage 
that develops more clearly here than it did last week is the personal connection between each of these first disciples of Jesus. At Jesus' um, insistence, John the Baptist, his cousin, has baptized him. And John the Baptist points Jesus out to a couple of his disciples. One of those disciples, Andrew, introduces his brother to Jesus. The other disciple is often thought to have been John, the, the author of the gospel. If that's the case, he also invited his brother James. Andrew and Peter, James and John, well, Andrew and Peter, sorry, lived in Capernaum, small town, and they almost certainly knew Philip, who lived in the same small town. Philip meets Jesus. Jesus seeks him out, and Philip gets to know him, and he introduces his friend, Nathaniel. Actually comes from a different town, from Cana. We'll come across later. Each person meeting Jesus introduces somebody else that he knows. Very often we think that people meeting Jesus is a kind of, I don't know, a random act of God that somehow happens. Or it's some evangelist on a train speaking to somebody they don't know. And none of it is anything very much to do with us. But the thing we discover in this passage, in these two passages together, is that Jesus is not only interested in us as prospective or as actual disciples of his, he's also really interested in our friends. He's interested in the people we know as well as in us. He's watching us as he was watching Nathaniel, waiting for us to come to him. He's also watching our friends and wondering when we will get around to introducing them to him. Have you ever been in that situation where uh, you meet someone that you know and you're chatting with them and they're with a friend and they never quite get around to, inviting, to, to introducing their friend to you so you can never quite start a conversation with them? Well, it's happened to me the other way around, so I'm quite sympathetic. I remember, um, I remember my parents uh, coming to watch me performing in a play in London. It was very exciting. It was my debut in London. And uh, they brought family, and they also brought my father's business colleague, who I knew very well. I'd met many times. But for the life of me, I couldn't remember his name. So as I was introducing my parents to the other members of the cast, and I was going around this circle of people who, you know, my family and friends and so on, I could see this guy at the end of the line, and I'm moving towards him, and I'm thinking, I don't know his name, I don't know his name, it's going to be terribly embarrassing. And this is a friend of my father's. <laughs> and he had to introduce himself. And it's very hard for Jesus waiting for us to introduce our friends if we never do. In this discipleship cycle, it wasn't Philip's job to convert Nathaniel. It wasn't his job to change his life. Jesus was going to do that. All Nathaniel did, but it's a big all, all he did was to say to Nathaniel, in Jesus' own words, come and see. 
Come and meet him. Come and find out. Jesus did all the rest. So my next challenge for you for this year, not just will you allow Jesus to call you to follow him, but will you, following him, offer Jesus your friends as well as the rest of your life? Will you look for chances to bring them to meet him, the source of all life? Will you ask Jesus how best to do that and use his words? Will you invite them? Come and see and pray for them that they will. The last thing I want to point out in these two passages is the close relationship between discipleship and prayer and worship. We've already seen that last week. Obviously, these first disciples had a very special form of prayer in retrospect. They spent a lot of time talking with Jesus. And looking back, that turns out to have been praying because they were obviously speaking, although physically face-to-face, with the Son of God. They were speaking with God. What that means for us is that we can look at their words, their conversation, and we can learn from that for our own prayer, prayer life. So we hear Nathaniel saying in wonder, how do you know me? And we can echo that in our own prayers. And we can see that that prayer in, in Nathaniel leads to worship as he says, you are the Messiah, you are the Son of God. And we can echo that worship. And we see that that, for Nathaniel, leads on into discipleship, learning more of Jesus and following in his path. But I think that Nathaniel was praying even before he met Jesus. I think Nathaniel wasn't just drinking fig juice and sunbathing under that tree that he was sitting under. I think he was pondering scripture. Just from what we hear, Jesus saying and Nathaniel, the conversation they have, I think he was thinking about, maybe he was reciting in his head or he'd read in scripture, I think he was thinking about Jacob running away from home, confronted by God, dreaming of a ladder between earth and heaven, heaven and earth, committing himself to faithful discipleship if God would protect him in his difficult challenges ahead. And I think Nathaniel was thinking about the Messiah, the Son of God, the future King of Israel to come, to whom he could give his faithful discipleship in the same way. And I think he was praying to God to give him an opportunity to make that kind of commitment like Jacob. Well, it's a guess. But what I do know from this passage is that Nathaniel's heart was already ready when he met Jesus. When he heard those key insights from Jesus, something clicked. His eyes opened wide. It's you! You! You are the King of Israel! You are the Son of God! I will follow you! Are our hearts ready? Have we been praying that we may be ready to recognize and to follow Jesus when we see him? In fact, I think Jesus was smiling delightedly 
when Nathaniel came out with those extraordinary words of worship so quickly, so readily from such a small kind of trigger. You believe in me just because I said I saw you under the fig tree. Good for you. I tell you, you're going to see much greater things than that. Because the ladder that Jacob saw with angels going up, taking the praises to God and coming down, bringing the blessings of God, that ladder is me. And the stone that Jacob poured oil on and called Bethel, this is the very house of God, the presence of the Almighty. That Bethel, that house of God, that temple is me. And if you stay here in this house of God, you will see heaven open. Amen. And our church, we, will only be Bethel, will only be the house of God, will only become a house of prayer and worship for Portsmouth if Jesus is here. If we welcome Jesus here amongst us, and if he is, we will see even greater things than we have already seen. And greater things are yet to be done in this city, says the Son of God. So let's start praying, shall we? Whether you're extrovert, like Andrew, and uh, you like doing it on a walk with a friend, whether you're an introvert like Nathaniel and like to do it in the sun under a tree. Let's pray earnestly and longingly that we will be ready to recognize and respond to Jesus when we meet him, to take the chances that arise to introduce our friends to him as well. In Isaiah's words that we heard, let's post watchmen on the walls to give God no rest till he comes and establishes this as his house, till we lift up Christ as a crown of splendor in the hand of the Lord, till our ministry is Beulah, married, fertile, fruitful, till like Richard, gazing with adoration on his bride yesterday, we are the ones that... Jesus gazes on with delight till he gives to us, like Simon Peter, a new name of confidence and of trust, of ministry and blessing, until his righteousness will shine out from here as the dawn and his salvation like a blazing torch and all the nations will see here his glory. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, it's you. You are the Son of God. You are the King to come. You are the Messiah. We could follow you to the ends of the world. Thank you for seeking us out. Thank you for noticing us. Thank you that we are not neglected, unnoticed, unknown but recognized by you that you are longing for us to turn to you 
and to share our lives with you and to share your life with us. Thank you too that you love our friends and you're longing for us to introduce them. Help us not to be embarrassed of you, but with delight to bring them to the one who fills us with all delight. And Lord, would you make this Beulah and Bethel not desolate, but fruitful and delighted in Hepzibah, the glorious place where your ladder is set up, where you are the bridge between us and heaven where the blessing of heaven, the righteousness and the glory of your Father can shine out through us into this community and beyond. Lord, make us with you, Bethel, the house of God. And bring many to know you here, we pray. Amen.